Hey everybody, this is Ben Hopkin, and welcome back to my podcast, Acting Without the Drama, where we keep the drama on the stage and in front of the camera, and pretty much out of everything else. So, today we are going to do a little bit of clarification. I got some feedback from last week's episode that it was maybe a little bit confusing. So to make things a little more clear, we're just going to take a little bit of time, kind of go back a little bit further, go back a few more steps, and make sure that everybody understands what we're doing and where we're going. So if you didn't have any trouble understanding things last time, this will just be a little bit more clarification, a little more specificity, which is always a good thing. And if you did have trouble understanding last time, this will hopefully clear those things up. The first thing that I want to talk to you guys about, and we're, like I said, we're backing it up several steps from where we were last time. One of the mistakes that I made was actually, I had this brilliant idea that we were going to use this kind of multimedia thing. You guys were going to go to see the chart. What I did not take into consideration was the fact that many of you are listening to this on an iPod. And so if you've got your iPod there, it's going to be kind of hard to go to a website. So let's talk for a minute about that chart and the purposes that it serves and the purposes that it doesn't serve. Basically, learning the IPA, learning the symbols that go along with each of these sounds that I'm talking about, is basically for you if you want to go further with this, if you want to take this into dialect training. If you want to do that, you're probably going to want to learn these symbols. You're going to want to learn this IPA because it is the best way to learn dialects. If this isn't a goal of yours, if if it's not something that you're worried about, and you're just wanting to clarify your speech a little bit, to get your speech to sort of a neutral base level where it can sound really clear, really crisp, really resonant, without worrying about dialect training in the future, then you really don't need to worry about the symbols. You don't need to worry about the chart. Also, uh, the other thing that the chart does is that it does help for people who are visually oriented in terms of their learning, which I am. It really helps me to be able to look at something and sort of figure out where it fits in my mouth in terms of uh, sort of a diagram. For people that are more sort of experiential learners, again, the chart's not going to do that much for you. So really, it's up to you whether or not you want to use that chart, whether or not it's useful for you, whether or not you want to learn the symbols. I'm going to go over it, but if that's not your goal, then don't stress about it. And just as a reminder for everyone, that website is http colon forward slash forward slash web dot uvic dot ca forward slash ling forward slash resources forward slash ipa forward slash charts forward slash capital ipa lowercase lab forward slash capital ipa lowercase lab dot htm. So let's talk for a minute just about the mouth. We're going to talk about the different parts of the mouth. And some of it's going to sound maybe a little overly simplistic, but again, this is when you really start looking at your mouth, we're not used to really examining the inside of our mouth unless we are training to become dentists. So really part of this is just about figuring out what's going on inside of our mouths. So starting off at the lips, so we use both of our lips for the B sound and the P sound. We use one of our lips when we say F or V. 
F or V. Those two sounds. Moving on to the teeth. The teeth do actually get used. Uh, we use it in conjunction with our tongue when we make the th sound or the v sound. We also use the back of our teeth sometimes in certain consonants and certainly in certain dialects that we may be looking at. You'll use the back of your teeth a little bit. We don't use it too much for standard American speech. Okay, moving back from the teeth, we're talking about the upper teeth right now. If you go back behind your upper teeth, just a little ways, there's a little bump there. There's a little ridge, and that is called the alveolar ridge, or sometimes called the gum ridge. Uh, this we use actually a fair amount. We use it for the D and the T sound, D and T. That is a really important place for standard American speech. And you'll find for many of you that that's not where you're actually making that sound, and that's something that we'll deal with later when we get to the consonants. Now, going back from the alveolar ridge, you're going to have this little gap. And it's actually, if you stick your thumb inside your, your mouth, your thumb fits perfectly right inside that little gap. This is your hard palate, that little scoop. It sort of scoops up into your skull. That is the hard palate. At the end of the hard palate, there's, again, it's not exactly like the gum ridge. It's not like a, a hard ridge there, but there is kind of a line that is basically the border between the hard palate and the soft palate. The soft palate goes back into the mouth until it gets to that little dangly thing, which is your uvula. And that basically is what we need to know, at least for now, about the mouth. There are some other things that we deal with in other dialects. There's the glottis, which is down further, which you have to deal with a little bit when you're doing a cockney dialect and certain other dialects, but this is what we need to know for now. So that's the layout of your mouth. You've got the lips, the teeth, the alveolar ridge, the hard palate, the soft palate, and then the little uvula. And so as we're talking about the front vowels versus the back vowels, we're talking about where the placement of the sound is is it more forward in the mouth, closer to the teeth, or is it more back, closer to the uvula? When we're talking about closed or open, or sometimes called high or low, that is basically the opening of your mouth. Is it a big opening or is it a small opening? And so I'll give you some examples that will help you to determine which one is which. And actually, that's what I'm going to do right this second. Last time, we talked about the vowel E, and I mentioned that that was the furthest forward and the most closed out of all of the vowels. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you that vowel and then one other so that you can feel the difference between the front vowels and the back vowels. So when you say E, if you'll really pay attention to what's happening with your tongue, you'll notice that the back of your tongue is lifting up kind of towards that place where the hard palate and the soft palate meet. E that the space is getting really narrow there in the back of your mouth. Now, we're going to go to another vowel, which is a back vowel. It's also a closed vowel. So again, if you're looking at the chart, it's all on the top of the chart. It's all where the closed vowels are. And I'm just basically showing you the difference between a front vowel and a back vowel. So the front vowel is E, and the back vowel is U. And if you'll go back and forth between those, E, Ooh, e, ooh. You'll feel your tongue 
in the back of your mouth, lifting and lowering, lifting and lowering. And when you say E, you'll notice that there's not a whole lot of space there in the back of your mouth. When you say OO, all of a sudden it opens up. That is the difference between a front vowel and a back vowel. So, E, OO, E, OO. Experiment with that for a little while, just so that you can get that distinction between those two. So that is the difference between those two. And now I'm going to show you the difference between a closed vowel and an open vowel. And these are all going to be front vowels that we're going to, that I'm going to demonstrate for you. So these are the ones, ones that we went over last week. Starting again with the E, going from E to A. One of those is very closed, the other is very open. The E is closed, and there's a smaller opening in your mouth. When I say A, I have to open my mouth up quite a bit. That is an open vowel. And it also kind of feels like it goes from high to low. So E, A, E, A, E, A. And now if you'll notice, the front of the mouth is closed with the E, open with the A. The back of the tongue is lifted for both of them. So feel that for just a minute because both of these are front vowels. So E, A, E, A, E, A. And so hopefully that is helping to clear up some of the confusion that I may have created last time just to give you an idea of where those vowels are placed in your mouth. So starting again, we're just going to briefly go over those vowel sounds, the front vowel sounds of the mouth so that you can feel how it opens up. Each one opens up just a little bit more, but all of them stay very forward with the, the back of the tongue lifted in the back of the mouth. And if you are looking at your chart, again, this is all going to be on the left side of the chart, moving from the highest down to the lowest. So we're starting with E, and that again, that's the lowercase i. That's the symbol that goes along with it on the chart. The next one is I, which is the capital I on the chart. Moving down to the sort of backwards three, E, and then finally, the Italian A, the A-E combination, A. So those are the four front vowels that we need to worry about. And hopefully this has clarified any of the confusion that might have come in the last podcast. So this is our clarification podcast, and this also is a wonderful opportunity to see where sometimes one of the things that I really love to do is to make things as simple as I possibly can and occasionally we just don't get it right. So this was my opportunity to go back and be a little more specific. And if this still isn't specific enough, I would love to get your feedback. It was really wonderful to get the feedback last time to say, you know what, this uh, I got confused. Normally your stuff is really clear and I get it. With this, I, I, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. And so hopefully this will help to clarify it. If there needs to be more explanation, please let me know because I would love to do that. This is a new thing that I'm trying. Normally when I'm doing this kind of work with anyone, I'm going to be in the classroom with them. They're waiting to say, oh, nope, that's not quite right. You need to open your mouth up a little bit more. Do you feel the difference there? Okay, great. And with this, because I'm not there, I'm having to be much more specific about the explanation of it, which I am finding is a lot harder than I would have anticipated. So this has been a wonderful learning experience for me too, and I'm very glad that I've had this opportunity. So 
looking for your comments and criticisms, looking for those questions. They're always helpful, and they're ones that uh, I think can help us all in this process. So, again, go out there and act. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Acting Without the Drama. For more information and to follow my blog on acting, please go to www.actingwithoutthedrama.com. To contact me with questions or ideas, please email me at actingwithoutthedrama at gmail.com.